0: Welcome to Stories of Iceland. This is a folktale special with a dark theme. Before I start, I would like to thank my Patreon supporters. They are the driving force behind this podcast. They also get various rewards, extra material, and they also get a chance to ask me questions in short-form video segments called Riddles of the Blind Guest. Please consider signing up at Patreon and helping out so I can make my recordings more regular. If 1% of the people who download the podcast would pledge $5, it would make it possible for me to make this my full-time job. I don't know if that's likely to happen, but it is something to think about. I am so grateful to my supporters. My newest supporters are... Becky McPherson, Todd Vision, Allison, Ken McGowan, and Evan Williams. Special thanks, as always, to Troy Williams, a friend of the podcast. But this is Stories of Iceland, and this is the 18th episode, and it's called... Iceland's only serial killer. Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital city is Reykjavík. The country is not known for murder, though we've had our fair share of those. This story is a folk tale, or to be precise, a historical legend. It is based on a real man who was, in all likelihood, a serial killer. The only serial killer in Icelandic history. His name was Axlarbjörn, or simply Björn of Öxl, which means Björn from the farm Öxl. The name Björn is an old and common Icelandic name which means bear. The story takes place on Snifelsnes, the peninsula which forms the upper leg of our Icelandic sheep. Snæfellsnes means Snow Mountain Peninsula. The Snow Mountain is really a glacier, which is rather redundantly called Snæfellsjökull, which means the glacier of Snow Mountain. The version you are about to hear was written down in the mid-19th century. It is most likely the most famous version of the story, taken from the great folktale collection of Jón Arnason. Before I start, I must note that there are disturbing elements in today's story. If you are sensitive to blood and gore, or if there are children around, please listen to another episode. But now, the story of Björn of Öxl. There was a man named Pietur in Borgarfjörðr. He was married and had two children, a son Magnus and a daughter Sigridr. When his wife was a child for the third time, she was at times seized with an irresistible desire to drink human blood. This desire even grew so fearfully in her that she thought she could live no longer if she did not quench her blood thirst. She struggled for a long time against this unnatural desire without telling anyone, but at last she could no longer hide it from her husband— now, because this marriage was a happy one, and since Pietur could not refuse his wife anything that he had in his power to do for her, he opened the vein in his foot and gave her his blood to drink. Having satisfied her thirst, she was visited in her sleep by many awful sights, horrible and loathsome beyond telling, of such a kind that forbids us to speak openly of them. She mentioned to one of her handmaids that she had great fears, lest her child should be in many ways different from others, and perhaps be some monstrous being. Time passed, and the birth was natural enough. She bore a son, who at his baptism was called Björn, and grew and florist. Pietur had once been a farmhand with a man called Ormur the Rich, who lived at a farm called Knur. He was called the Ritz because he was owner of all the estates which were in the district Predavik. He was friendly to Pieter and his wife, although he was deemed hard to deal with by other people, as may be seen by this saying, Einginnerverri, en ormur of knerri. None is worse than ormur of knurr. When the brothers Magnus and Björn were six and five years old, ormur once happened to ride to the seashore in search of driftwood and saw the brothers roughhousing upon a narrow strip of land stretching into the sea, and it seemed to him that Björn was the more aggressive. After having witnessed this scene, Ormer went to Húsanes and offered the parents to take Magnus home to himself to foster him, for the times were hard, but the mother pleaded with him rather to take Björn, had an awful temper which under the guidance of ormur might be turned to good she said that ormur alone of all others was likely to make a man of him ormur yielded to her request and took björn home to Knur. at Knur, björn became the near friend of a youth who was ormurs cowkeeper they lived together nearly night and day in the cowhouse which was a large building holding thirty beasts. Björn matured quickly after he came to Ormur, but his mind was gloomy and his temper harsh and violent. Ormur had a base-born son by the name of Guðmundur, at the same age as Björn, who was, like his father, strong and hardy. He trained himself in glee, wrestling and other sports, which at the time were rather neglected, but he avoided manual labour. He and Björn soon became close friends. At this time there was a church at Knörr, and Ormur was strict that his servants should attend mass. Once, however, it happened that Björn slept in his bed instead of going to church though this was of course against the will and knowledge of his master. Björn then had a dream that a stranger came to him, carrying a dish in his hand with the meat on it, cut in pieces. This he offered to Björn, who took it at once and ate eighteen pieces off the dish, finding one more delicious than the others. But At the 19th he became sick and ill, and would have no more of the meat. The stranger said to him, Well, have you done to accept my meal, but now I have more to tell you. Go tomorrow up the shoulder of the mountain, where you will see two strange stones of large size." Lift up the lesser of these stones, and whatever you find beneath it belongs to you. Make as good use of it as you can. It is endowed with the power of making you known far and wide. After this, the dream man vanished, but as awoke, he was full of longing to go in search of what had been pointed out to him in his dream. The next day Björd got up early, climbed to the mountain peak and found the stones. Under the smaller he found an axe, not lards, but a sharp cutting weapon. As soon as he had the weapon in his hand, he was filled with violent desires. He returned to a farm called Frambur, hiding the axe under his clothes, Allowing nobody to see it. As it was his turn to row out fishing that day, he hid the axe in the lava rift and then went out with the other fishermen. In the course of the day, he asked the crew on the boat what they would give him for the thing he had found in the mountain. They answered that it could hardly be of interest or value, but at night, as they landed, He ran off from the boat and soon returned, brandishing an axe in his hand with all the unrestrained temper of a fight-lusty warrior and said with a hollow and cold laugh, Which of you would like to sleep beneath this one? They were startled out of their wits and could have no contest whatever with this madman except for one of the crew an old and shrewd fisherman, who said to his fellows, not heeding the warlike threat of Björn, Take the axe from him, for it is an unhappy weapon. Björn, seeing that here he had to deal with too many, did not wait for their assault, but ran back home to Knurr. Soon after, the cowkeeper at Knurr, Björn's good companion, vanished and was never heard of. One of the handmaids at Knarr was named Teinen. She waited upon Bjurt and afterwards he married her. At this time Bjurt's foster-father Ormur the Rich had died, but his son Gudmund succeeded to his possessions and lived at Knarr and waxed soon as mighty in the district as his father had been. He gave Bjorn the tenancy of the farm Öxl, where Björn now began farming with his wife Steinen. They got on well, he had few servants, and those he had he treated well. People soon began to wonder about the number of horses Björn had, and some were suspicious about the manner in which he might have acquired them. And about this time a rumor started that Björn murdered men. And robbed them. Once a ritz namesake of Bjurt sent two of his men to the west in order to fish in the district round the glacier Snifelsjuktl, and he asked Björn of Öxl to help them if they were in any need of his aid. When they came to Öxl and Björn saw that they were well-equipped and had fine horses, he begged them to step into the cow-house with him. It was dark within, but in spite of the darkness one of the men saw something gleam in the hand of Björn. He then thought it best to tell him of his master's recommendation— and no sooner had Björn heard it than he changed his behaviour and treated the men in the best possible manner, and got them good places for the ensuing fishing season. The men suspected that their fate had been different if they had not told Björn who their employer was. It is said that Björn once had a guest from the north, and showed him to a bed in the guest hall at night away from the common sleeping room. As soon as the man got to bed, a strange sleeplessness came over him, so that he left the bed again. He then happened to grope under the bed, and lo, he found the corpse of a man. He was very startled by this, but had enough strength of mind to throw the dead man into the bed and cover him over with the bedding, and he himself got under the bed where the dead man had been. When about one-third of the night was left, Björn and his wife entered the guest hall. Björn had an axe in his hand and struck with it the corpse, which he assumed to be his guest. The wife said, Why are his death throes not louder? Björn answered, I heard a low groan. He was very tired, and my blow was no small one, woman. After this they went to the family room, but at the dawn of day the guest escaped from the farm, sound in life and limb, although... A great many dark tales were floating about of Björt's murder. No one dared to raise a lawsuit against him on account of the power of his foster brother Guðmundur at Knúr. But at this time, a thing took place which cooled their friendship. Guðmundur was riding from home having two horses for chains. Returning home, he came to Ux late in the afternoon and asked for something to drink. Björn asked him to step in, but that Guðmundur would not do. Then Björt's wife came out with a jug and gave it to Guðmundur, who sat on horseback. But as he was starting to drink, Björn came out, carrying over his shoulder a large cloak, and Guðmundur seeing the end of a haft stretching down from under the cloak, flung the jug out of his hand and rode off in haste. At the same moment Björn lifted his axe aloft in order to deal Gwilminder his deathblow, but missing him he wounded his horse so badly that Gwilminder could not ride it home and was forced to get on the other animal. The next day Björn's wife went to Knur, entreating Widmundur to pardon Burden this assault, which he promised her not to make more of, but said at the same time that it availed not, as his awful crimes would, sooner or later, come to light. This same year, the Wednesday next before Easter, two young people, a brother and a sister, came to Björn at Uxl, and craved lodging for the night. There was a thaw that day, and it was late when they arrived at Uxl. They were very well received and given dry clothes, and food was put on the table before them. In the family room there was an old woman who was lulling a child to sleep. See, it must be known wanted to warn these young folk of their great danger, and whenever Birch's wife went out of the room and none but the guests were present, she quietly chanted this ditty. None at battle bear should be guessed, who in goodly garments dressed, he bears them off to the death dyke, there runs blowed, along the road, I lulled thee, my little tyke. When the young folk had taken their meals, the girl walked out of the room, but soon after her brother heard her crying out, and startled at this, he ran off into a cattle pen with Björn after him. The lad jumped inside the wall of the crib, and ran along it to the inner end of the pen, where a door entered into a hay barn. And there he found an outlet, as the sod that of the barn was unfrozen. Close after him came Bjorn, but lost sight of him in the darkness, and he while Björn was searching for him in the gloomy barn, got off into the lava-field and hid himself in one of its many rifts. The next night the lad got to a farm called Hrynland, where the farmer guided him to a local official by the name of Ingimundr, a powerful man and a stern doer of justice. Early Easter morning, The officer took two strong-minded people with him to Knur, to Guðmundur, who was no friend of Ingimundur, having at various times been worsted by him, both in bodily and other contests. This Easter Monday the sun shone bright from a clear and calm sky. Many people had come to church at Knurr, and bathed in the sun till the worship began. Amongst other, there was also Björn from Öxl, who they say said, Now are the sun-cherry and gloomy days, brothers. Soon after this, Inkymuntur went up to Björn and asked him where he had gotten the cap which he wore on his head. Then he unbuttoned the tunic which Björn wore over his clothes, and asked him where he had gotten that silver-buttoned jacket and vest he had on. Björn answered, These are surely odd questions, and I am not going to answer them. Ingiminder said that he was in no need of his answer, and calling some people to him, bade them look at the clothes and witness if these clothes were not the same which his servant Sigurdur had worn when he left Ingimundur two years before, and then vanished, so that no one knew anything more of him. They proved to be the same. Therefore Ingimundur called upon Guðmundur, son of Ormur, to seize Björn as a misdoer which he refused to do. Ingiminder then took Björn prisoner, charging him with having murdered Sigurdr, his manservant, and the girl told of before, and gave him into the keep of the magister, where his wife Steinen was also held in prison. Björn confessed before the magister that he had murdered all eighteen people, the first of whom had been the cowherd at Knörr who he had buried under the floor in the cowhouse. The other seventeen he had sunken into a pond with a stone tied to each body, also that his wife had known all he had done, and had aided him in his work. At the next thing they were both condemned to death. The limbs of Björn were first to be broken, and after that he would be beheaded. But the execution of Stenon was put off, as he was with child. A young man called Oliver, a near kinsman of Bjurt, was brought to break his limbs and behead him. His legs were broken with a wooden club and something soft put under them so his torments might be all the more painful. Manfully Bjurt met his death and all the tortures that accompanied it. He neither lost his composure nor gave any sign of pain. Once, while his bones were being broken, he said, Seldom breaks a bone well on hollow ground, cousin Oliver. When all his limbs were broken, his wife said to those around, My Björn is rather quickly losing his limbs. But Björn, hearing this, said, one there is left yet which better were off this said he was beheaded his barrow is to be seen even to-day and is called bjrt's barrow of Öxl. As I alluded to in the beginning, Björth Petsson was a real man. His misdeeds may have been exaggerated in the oral tradition, but contemporary sources do confirm that Björth was executed in the year 1596. A chronicle says that Björth did confess to killing nine people. The first murder was committed when he was 14 years old, and seems quite similar to the one recounted in the tale. The real number of victims is shrouded in mystery. The sources are open to interpretation. For instance, while Burton is said to have confessed to nine murders, they also say that more bones were found near his farm. He explained it away by saying that he had found dead men and couldn't be bothered to transport them to a church for Christian burial. No one was convinced. The manner of Bjurt's execution has also most likely been exaggerated, unless the people of snifelessness took it upon themselves to inflict a greater punishment than Icelandic law called for. The big difference between the tale and the verifiable sources is that Bjurt's wife... Who was called Thortis Olafstotir, not Steinun, was not executed. In fact, the only surviving official document about the murders is from her trial at Althingi in 1596 and 97. It seems that her guilt was not proven. They did have a son who spent his life as a vagrant. His name was Scotti, and he suffered the same fate as his father, being hanged in 1658. His son, Gisli Rókur, became the third in line to be executed. The fates of Björn, Sveitn, and Gisli have been interpreted by Icelanders, then and now, as some sort of family trait, inherited from father to son. I think it is more likely that being descended from such an infamous murderer in a country obsessed with genealogy made it almost impossible to live a normal life. At least it's a more plausible theory than evil being passed down through the genes. If you believe that murder is in the blood you can rest assured that I have no known link to Björn. In the spirit of full disclosure, I must say that there are tales of murder and killings in my ancestry. But that is a story for another day. I would like to thank my Patreon supporters, Austin Yule, Evan Williams, Fred Sudler, and Jon Helgeson, And as always... A very special thanks to Troy Williams. Please head to Patreon if you want to support the podcast. I am Olignestis Olioson and this has been Stories of Iceland Episode eighteen Iceland's only serial killer.